Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Gudio Gavaza, and for today, we're getting into a conversation around uh, the state of e-commerce um, in South Africa and the region. And uh, for today, we're going to be talking uh, to the team from Mars. Um, you know, people might not know, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, out there when you're going out and you're buying things, uh, some of your pet care products, you know, things like just your Twix, um, that there's a whole conglomerate that sits behind that. And for today, we're going to be talking to the team from Mars about how uh, they've been attacking the retail and e-commerce piece, um, you know, of their strategy here in this region. To make sense of it all, I am at uh, Mars's offices uh, in Johannesburg, and I'm going to be talking to Tineo Mzenda, who is uh, e-commerce uh, national key account manager for Mars Multisales uh, Southern Africa. Uh, just to get a sense of uh, what's going on. Chineo, greetings to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this uh, podcast today and greetings to you too, Mediwa. Now, thank you so much for, you know, for being with us and also thank you for, you know, allowing us to come and see, you know, what it is that you guys are doing here. Uh, perhaps before we, you know, get into it, I did allude to a couple of, you know, things that you guys are doing in pet care, um, you know, confectionaries, that type of thing. When we think of Mars, right, uh, what is what is what does the business do and what are some of the big brands uh, that you guys are behind that people might know? 100%. So Mars, obviously, as you mentioned, is a big conglomerate producing a wide range of products. Our portfolio in South Africa obviously doesn't entail of everything that we have globally. Yeah. But what we mainly focus on in South Africa is pet care. Yeah. So some of our pet care brands are Whiskers, Pedigree, Caesar, and Sheba. We then have chocolates. I think these are very well known. We have our Snickers bar. We have our Twix bar. We have Mars bar and we have Bounty. We then have gum, which we also market leaders in the space. Orbit gum and airwaves gum. We then have our food factory here in South Africa, which whereby we produce Reiko soup for South Africa. And then last but not least, we also do candy, which is the brand's Kittles. So that's our total portfolio within Southern Africa. Uh, obviously now moving to online and trying to make sure that what we're doing in the offline space replicates in the online space and yeah always leading and trying to be ahead of the curve okay cool very keen to understand uh, you've just named a whole bunch of products from pet care um candy gum um you know what's good uh what's big you know in that portfolio like uh, obviously these are all brands that we all know these are all brands that if you walk into a shop right now you're going to be uh you're going to encounter What's big for Mars, you know, in the portfolio? So I think maybe I should start off by giving you some context from a total market perspective or category perspective. So obviously we have all these brands, but what we mainly focus on is pet care and gum, yeah. as well as chocolate. Yeah. So just to give you some stats with regards to how big we are, in the pet care space, with regards to cat food in particular, with the Whiskers brand and our Sheba brand, the total value of from a RAND RSV perspective, the total value of the cat food industry in South Africa currently stands at 1.6 billion RAND. We as Mars own 30% of that. Yeah. 
that's a lot of cat food. <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. In the gum space, gum space is worth about a billion rand. We as Mars currently own about 40% of that. What's even more interesting is that in the gum space, of the, within gum, we have categories as well, subcategories. So oh, wow. we've got over-the-counter gum, yeah. we've got gum bags, yeah. and we've got gum bottles. Yeah. So in the gum bottles section, of the top five gum bottle sold in South Africa, we are top four. Yeah. So not only are we market leaders overall, but we also are leading the way in terms of the subcategories of the areas that we play in. Am I understanding you correctly that you said in the bottles, uh, four of the top five are yours? Yeah. Okay, I, I thought okay, fine. Yeah, that that's actually that's actually quite deep, uh, because I I don't think we think about gum, you know, like like that. But hundred uh, percent. I I like I eat I eat a lot of gum. Um, I'm not going to name the brand because it's a competitor of yours. Yeah. Uh, but I find it inter- interesting and fascinating that you know that there's so much consumption. I would never have you know been able to place a number of let's say a billion rand yeah that that's how much gum is flowing through you know the the south african economy we always we often talk about a five trillion rand type of gdp you know type of number for for south africa and you don't then realize all these components we always think mining uh, retail and mm. you know the the big areas seven mm. percent of gdp but underneath that you know the pieces that are actually um you know making things happen so when it comes to something like that, I'm just going to use gum for now. Yes, 100%. How are people buying gum, right? Is, is gum something? Because we have, we, part of the reason we're here to talk is around, uh, I guess, the channels that you guys are using. 100%. Um, e-commerce strategy, that type of thing. Is gum something that's sold online? Yeah, yeah. So once again, I think that's a very good question. And I want to start off with context. Yeah. So the reality is that, you know, if you look at, gum in our economy and the way that retail is structured gum is almost an impulse purchase so how mars is structured the way they sell gum is obviously in such a way that it is convenient for the customer to pick it up and it is positioned in aisles or in spaces whereby you almost are reminded that you need gum to continue with your day so before i get into the e-commerce space if i look at the channels that we sell and we obviously obviously sell in our traditional retail channels. So that's your checkers, that's your pick and pay, and that's your Woolworths. We then obviously have the four-court channel, which consists of all your petrol stations, engine, Shell, BP, ETC, ETC, ETC. And from the learnings or from the market-leading insights that we've managed to gain by being market leaders in this space, we've now obviously decided to lead the way online by migrating what we've done in the offline space to the online space. So if you go onto most of the online websites, you will find our gum there, beginning with your peer players. So your peer players are basically your websites like Take A Lot that don't have a physical storefront. Yeah. We are leading the way there by obviously listing online. Firstly, obviously in a very different case, uh, pack configuration format, because Take A Lot doesn't always encourage that you sell singles. Yeah. And also, we're also looking to provide the customer with value from a bulk perspective when we list online. So you can find our gum on almost every single online channel. Take a lot. Some stores on Mr. D have us as well. OneCart, um, Avo, and all the other traditional retailers online stores as well. So you could check your 6060, you got pick and pay ASAP. The reality is that gum is a very core part of retail offline. 
And the reality is that gum is also going to become a very important part of retail online. What's nice about gum is that we can drive impulse purchase. Like I said, you don't plan to go buy gum, but you know you need it. And if you see it in the right space at the right time and at the right price point, you will pick it up. So for us, it's about being at every point where our customers are and providing them with convenience of getting gum on the channel that they prefer. And that's what we've gone to online. Another thing I'd like to obviously mention is the fact that if you look at the South African economy or the South African population stats, over 40% of South Africa is considered youth being under the age of 35. Yeah. We as Mars believe that the future of South Africa is digital. Yeah. And even though we may be ahead of the curve, it only makes strategic sense for us to be available online. Yeah. For the main reasons of number one, tapping into a new customer who may not pick us up in store, yeah. but go online and find our gum over a competitor. Number two, we also want to provide South Africans the convenience to try out our products without having to walk into a physical store. Yeah. And then number three, relevance and branding. I think being online is not just about the sales at the end of the day. It's about being top of mind and also ensuring that the customer is aware of the fact that you're evolving with them and that you are tapping into what they're doing and the behavior that they prefer to entertain as they shop. When it comes to something like like that, I'm just still on the gum bit because I find it absolutely fascinating, mm. is from what you guys can see, right, when it comes to online, um, because when it comes to physical, I, I know that personally I buy gum in one of two ways, right? Either I'm shopping for, I guess, normal groceries, yeah. Um, and like I said, I normally, I know that I'm going to a shop to look for gum. Most people are not like me. I understand that I'm in a, probably a minority yeah. and I go specifically, I go there and I'm like, I need to get this gum, which is usually at the till, mm -hmm. right? Usually at the till, they've, they've got it there, sort of same setup at a forecourt, yeah. right? Um, it's there. When it comes to an online space, right? Uh, I'm not going on take a lot because I know that if I'm going on take a lot to buy gum, I probably have to buy like a hundred packs or something like that. Yeah. But if I'm maybe Mr. D Uber Eats or something like that, maybe I've got a small grocery or food delivery. And then, uh, is there a plus gum thing that that's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a very good one. Right. And I'll start off with context once again. So globally, if you look at how gum is sold, you find that most of the pure players being your guys like Take A Lot and your on-demand delivery players being your guys like Mr. D and Ubi Eats have started to build in uh, algorithms and tools that remind you of stuff that you need to get before checkout. Yeah. And online, our form of the tool point and our form of being at the cashier yeah. is that reminder that you get. You know, I think a platform currently located that's very good at that is Checkers 6060. Yeah. Obviously, it's personalized, but the reality is that the digital form of a two-point unit is that reminder that you get just before you check out, just before you pay. Yeah. So beyond that, we as Mars also have other strategies that we obviously deploy because we understand that not everyone is going to go online and intentionally look for gum. So what we've done is that we've understood the software journey. And we invest in things like banners. Firstly, I think that's the most obvious to increase our visibility online. Yeah. But second to that, we've also done some really deep research and 
gain the insights from our global team around how people shop online. What do they search? What do they buy gum with? You know, during which occasions do they buy gum? And beyond your everyday consumer, will business owners buy gum online? So I think the nice thing about the South African economy is that we have a big informal sector. And I am of the strong belief that the case format gum that you buy online is bought by your sponsor shop owner because it's, they had a good price, it gets delivered to uh, a space of his convenience and he can take it to his shop. So like I said, we invest in the, cons in the, in the purchases shopper journey by doing something else we call paid search. So i.e. we buy keywords and through understanding what the customer is searching for, are able to be visible when the customer is typing in their grocery list. That's just one of many. And like I said, this trans transcends beyond your e-commerce platforms, this goes into your Google yeah. through your search engine optimization. Yeah. But I think the key to visibility online is not just banners, it's not just the checkout, but it's also really about understanding the consumer journey, how people shop, what people buy certain products with, and then giving them value either in the form of a deal or bulk to get them to check out and get that good delivered to their house. Now let's, uh, I really want to also touch on, uh, on, 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 on the pet, um, you know, side of things just now. But um, I'm learning quite a bit about the way that you guys operate just from, I guess, the gum, the gum example. Uh, the natural question is how much influence you guys actually have um, over, you know, whether it's online or whether it's in the retail shop, I, I, whether I, placement, for example, right? The fact that I arrive and I'm seeing um, gum at the, at, at the till. Is that a Mars decision? Is that an engine forecourt decision? Is that uh, um, if I'm in checkers, we can pay or whatever. Is that their decision? Um, I guess I'm trying to understand um, the balance that's happening because obviously um, you guys list your products on these platforms in these stores yeah. and there's probably some engagement of some sort around you know placement. I've seen all type of science about how you know, uh, with physical shops, uh, they will place, let's say, bread at the back so that when you walk in, you have the nice smell of the bread and it leads you, you know, through a store, yeah. height levels, you know, all that stuff. So I'm just wondering, you know, where you guys fit in that conversation, if at all. Yeah. I mean, to be quite quite honest with you, I mean, in, in, in South Africa, in the retail space in particular, you're firstly at the mercy of the retailer with regards to how their store is laid out yeah. and how their websites or online platforms are laid out. Yeah. So what we do on a partnership level is that we try to discuss where our brands would best be suited within their current store format. Yeah. And what Mars prides themselves on is quality product mm -hmm. and giving our consumers an emotional brand experience. Mm -hmm. So because we have that, and we've obviously been doing this for years, yeah. we know that if we are placed at certain points, in the store online, because of the emotional connection we have with our consumers, we will be picked. So in summary, what I'm trying to say is that where our brands are positioned, particularly the gum and the amount of space we have for gum, both offline and online, is a consumer-driven decision. Consumers want us, that's why we are market leaders. And therefore it makes sense for the retailer to put us in those strategic positions because they know our brand is strong enough and consumers will pick if, give, if we're given the visibility. Over and above that, I think also what determines that is 
your ability to supply consistent quality product all the time. Yeah. And I think as a business, that's what we managed to do. Yeah. And that's why we have strong global brands that continue to enter markets and become top leading uh, 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 selling products across our segments. I can speak the same for PET as well. Yeah. PET obviously being a lot more strategic, but the reality with PET care is that we're going through the era of the humanization of pets. People are a lot more caring with regards to what they feed their pet and less people also having kids, to be very honest. Yeah, that's a, that's a real thing, yeah. Yeah, and because of that fact and that reality, consumers are very careful with regards to what they feed their pets because, number one, the price of pets has also gone up. Right, and number two, it becomes your like your companion. It's something that you care for. Yeah. So we, as Mars, obviously uh, produce pet care brands, and all the pet care brands that we produce are of high quality and are informed by or produced by veterinarians. Yeah. And as a consumer, you're guaranteed to know that if you are to feed your um, pet one of the Mars brands, you're most likely to get the best health and the most out of your pet in terms of longevity and your uh, bond with the pet. How big is the pet industry? So, uh, so I'll give you, uh, I mean, I can speak to cat in this example. Yeah. Cat food in South Africa is currently worth about 1.6 billion rand. Just cat food. Just cat food. Yeah. This obviously is, has got subcategories. So we've got cat dry, yeah. which are your cat pellets. And then we've got cat wet, which is obviously your wet cat food, yeah. which is uh, a supplementary of your dry food. Yeah. And as Mars, we own 30% of that. Yeah. So. For us, we take pride in not only, of course, making the world a better place for pets, but also driving the overall category growth for South Africa. Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's one thing to dominate in a small pond, right? But it's one thing to grow the pond and keep dominating in a growing pond. So that's the philosophy that we follow. And that's why we've gone online. That's why we are doing things ahead of the curve. Not because we want to be the biggest, but we want to grow that category so that we can compete in the same way we do in the offline space in that space and with everyone unselfishly but we believe that we have a formula and a product that is strong enough to win on any platform and in any sales environment you guys have whiskers you've got pedigree yeah so that's dogs cats yeah. um are those the are those the only areas you guys play in where pets are concerned or are you like yeah so we have more so uh we have pedigree of course you mentioned whiskers we also have shiba yeah. which is very premium wet cat food we then have Caesar, which is premium dog food. We then have a specialty range that we distribute here in South Africa called Iams. We then have a sister company, which obviously runs as a separate division called Royal Canine. We obviously specialize in specialty uh, dog and cat food, and that's only sold in the veterinary space. But like I said to you, our portfolio locally is a lot smaller than the global portfolio because obviously we need to get a product market fit. But as we continue to grow share and continue to get more penetration locally and in Africa, should the numbers make sense, it only makes sense to grow the portfolio into Africa. But scale is a big thing, offline and online. And uh, where the scalability comes to the picture, I'm sure then business will then be informed to tap into that area. Okay, cool. Makes sense. One of the things I'm then keen to understand, because you mentioned earlier on uh, the fact that gum tends to be an impulse purchase, right? So there's a, we've sort of outlined that entire strategy just around, you know, I guess the reminders yeah. physically and online that you put in place, you know, to, to help to drive 
um, sales on that front, whether it's more packs, bottles, you know, uh, whatever it is. But you also talk about the humanization of pets. Yeah. So that would that would mean that people are a lot more intentional about uh, pet food, right? It's probably seen. It's now ranking higher you know in terms of purchase decisions and people actually going to the store to say i'm going to go and buy pet food so how does that then inform you know what we were talking about but for let's say pet food okay so i mean i'll go back to gum just to obviously answer your question fully but the nice thing about what you said about gum being an impulse purchase i'd like to speak about confectionery as a whole if you look at how retail stores are designed Impulse purchases are generally at the end because, don't quote me on the stats here, but I would say the average person doesn't add chocolate and gum. I know you're an outlier, but I speak from a personal perspective and those around me. The average person doesn't add chocolate or gum or marshmallows to their monthly shopping list. It's not part of your staples. And that's why you don't find bread at the tool point. You don't find pup at the tool point or rice at the tool point because that's not an impulse purchase. That's going to be on your list anyways. So retail outlets also are very aware of this. And the reality is that it's a business. They need to make money. And they will give you reminders of the other stuff that you may not have added to your list that will add value to your life and to your basket and to your overall sense of happiness because you forgot to add them on your list. So with regards to gum, and I believe as time goes by, gum will eventually not become an impulse purchase. The more gum grows and the more it becomes an integral part of someone's diet, like you, it moves into your staple grocery list, right? And I think that's what happened with pet food space. Pet food obviously has never been in an aisle and stuff like that, but accelerated by the humanization of pet, of the humanization of pets, it's now obviously sitting in a main shopping list. So with regards to pet care, obviously the reality is that not everyone is on the same level with regards to how they treat their pet. You get beginner pet owners. I mean, I was a beginner pet owner four years ago. Um, I'd very often forget to buy my dog food until it's run out and I'm at home and I need to go buy my dog food. Luckily, I was digitally inclined. I could find it online, right? Then you get intermediary pet owners who sometimes buy it all the time because it's on the list, but sometimes forget. And then you get your seasoned pet owners. So the reality is that this transition that we have here in Africa right now is quite varied. And like Europe, you have more seasoned pet owners than you do beginner. And that's why pet care that side is such a big thing. So I believe that as Africa develops and as we catch up to the trends that is happening globally, pet care itself, because we have more seasoned owners, will become a, bit, a bigger category and have more relevance in both the online space and offline space. And therefore go from impulse purchase to purchase that's on your grocery list every week or every two weeks, depending on the size of dog or cat that you have. So the Africa, in many instances, is looked at having as having a a duality in its economic makeup. There's a developed piece and a developing piece, and I I somehow suspect that uh, th that argument also lends itself to how people buy, you know, pet food. Mm -hmm. So, you are looking after, you know, uh, I, 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 when we were introducing you earlier on, we said Southern Africa. Yeah. Where is South Africa in the 
on the spectrum that you just pointed out for us now, where South Africa in the, on that spectrum in relation to maybe surrounding countries? Yeah. South Africa, obviously, the most advanced. Yeah. I think, firstly, because I think South Africa just has a high population of wealthier people relative to the rest of the world. Yeah. And if you look at our brands, our brands are premium. Yeah. And because of that, we appeal more to the premium market, which, like I said, is majority based here. Yeah. So the bulk of our volume that we sell for Petia sits in South Africa. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we still see a future in Africa. Yeah. And like I said to you, it's just a wave. Right? We're speaking about embolization. We're speaking about the future becoming digital in Africa. And we're speaking about the humanization of pets. As we get access to more information, people have changed the reasons as to why they buy, they buy pets, irregardless of your status of wealth. So, I mean, I can use myself as a personal example. When I was young, we had a dog for security purposes. Yeah. But now I have a dog because I want a companion. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with how much money I earn. Yeah. It's just got to do with how I've been educated about pets. Yeah. And I think as we get access to information, cell phones, the world is becoming smaller. When you get to see that a pet can become a, pet, a companion, that a dog can be trained, that a dog can listen and hear you in English, your concept of what a pet is also changes. And therefore, that shift is still coming to hit us. And another thing I'd like to share, I mean, if you look at the digital evolution, TikTok, Instagram, ETC. I was recently in Zimbabwe. I was in a village, in, in, in a village and I saw a little kid on his phone, on TikTok. He's being educated and informed by how someone in the first world country is living. Should he be in a position to get a dog, even if he doesn't have the funds, he's going to treat it like a companion. And should he one day, based on the fact that Africa is still going to urbanize, Africa is still the continent that's going to be one of the most prominent in the future, he will spend on his pet according to the concept of the pet. Being a companion. 100%. Okay. Uh, I'm hearing your thesis. It makes sense. Uh, and I and I can see that happening. Uh, what I'm curious about is how that has translated into online buying behavior, um, because once again, we're not reminding people to buy pet food. Yeah. Um, whether someone is a beginner, an intermediary, or a seasoned pet owner, mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a more substantial purchase than let's say gum. Yeah. So what are what are the channels that are actually driving pet food online? Yeah. So. Firstly, I think, let's go back to the consumer. Yeah. So the reality is that as a brand, we want to be in channels where the consumer shops, yeah. not in channels where we want to sell. Yeah. And online is one of, the one of the channels that our consumer also prefers to buy online. Yeah. Secondly, if you look at you know, South Africa from a macro perspective, e-commerce is booming. Transport is a problem for some. People are aging. The digital are becoming part of main income owners. And time is a constraint. So it only makes sense that some of those consumers who spend time in store will move online. Some of those consumers are already our customers. So we just want to be available because if we're available and visible, then we increase our chances of checkout. So it's not about shifting a consumer from offline to online. It's about giving them the option to buy offline or online. I think the option that you give your, your customer allows for you to retain them 
and also allows for you to not give them the opportunity to switch to another brand because my car broke down today and I couldn't go to checkers that I need to buy gum. I can't find gum on, online, so I'm going to buy another brand today. We want to be available and we want to make sure that our customers can find us on any shopping platform that they use. It makes perfect sense and it, it is fascinating. I did not, like, I've been, like I, I think we're talking just before this. Um, I've looked at a lot of businesses over, over my life and this is the first time I've had an in-depth discussion <laughs> <laughs> about what's going on in the pet space and what's yeah. going on, um, what you call this, what's going on in the gum space. It's so fascinating, um, you know, to see where things are going. And on a bigger picture level, we often, um, e-commerce has been something that has been close to my heart and we've been tracking it for a long time. Um, I think when I first started tracking it, we were looking at it as a 1.5% uh, number, you know, um, as, a, as a component of total retail. Mm -hmm. I think the number is now closer to 5-ish or so percent, um, you know, so huge growth. Um, you know, I think that's about all, almost two or three times growth, um, you know, in e-commerce, but still a tiny, uh, you know, portion of the pie. Yeah. From a mouse point of view, strategically, what's the thesis that you guys are working, you know, from? Because the fact that you guys are investing so much in e-commerce means that you see uh, what you call this a huge future in e-commerce. Mm -hmm. But I would also imagine that from a channel point of view, um, the same realities we're seeing on a macro scale um, where physical is still king, mm -hmm. that that would also then translate into Mars's overall picture that the majority of your sales are probably still being driven through physical channels. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, to go deeper into, 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 into the question that you asked, right? If you look at things globally, yeah. and you look at some of the leading brands like L'Oreal, you know, recently L'Oreal confirmed that over 15% of their total sales are online. Yeah. PNG recently confirmed that 17% of their total sales are online. Internally, we're starting to see the same trends as well. Yeah. And like I spoke about it, everything is a way of coming into Africa. Yes, we as Mars Southern Africa might be ahead of the curve, but it only makes sense to invest ahead of the curve because you can't ride a wave that you're not ahead of. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. So we're just positioning ourselves strategically to make sure that when the Afri when the wave does hit Africa, we are positioned in such a way that consumers are already used to buying us online. And number two, when the wave does hit, we can capitalize on the partnerships that we've managed to gain and therefore also make a return on all these investments we've been making over the year. Last but not least, I'd also like to obviously touch on the fact that we at Mars are very big on profitability. So every business decision we make is, is assessed critically. And just because we're investing in the space, it doesn't mean that we're investing at a loss. We've been blessed to obviously see that our investment efforts have, are providing immediate returns, profitable immediate returns, and we continue to, uh, we will continue to do so as we lead the way with regards to the categories that we play in. Okay, cool. So before we we um, land this conversation today, or two things, um, and I think this will help to round everything up nicely. Firstly, I know it's an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, understanding the fact that uh, something like 
online or any type of retail is not the core business of a company like you know mars or any other brand for that for that um you know for that matter but it's it's more of a general question because i understand that you have a lot of experience when it comes to e-commerce mm-hmm. is is it not tempting for companies like mars you mentioned just now the likes of you know l'oreal and others you know to dip their toe into direct um you know sales channels mm-hmm. especially for the online piece mm-hmm. i have seen a couple of um companies but i see it more as a trend on the electronics side mm-hmm. right electronics guys um seem to have at least for the online piece of things you know decided that you know what we will at least have some type of a direct channel yeah, yeah. and i wonder if the same temptation doesn't exist for players like like mars or do you think the current strategy as it is of working through uh partners and the like is the way forward yeah yeah very good question eh and i mean for us we as mars firstly before we do anything we look outside yeah we then of course look internally in terms of what has been done on a global level mm-hmm. and then of course we then refer to theory so if you look at if you look at it theoretically and also look at what has happened globally direct consumer only worked during the covid period yeah particularly for fmcg brands yeah mainly because number one it requires scale to do so profitably a huge scale to do so profitably and number two very few customers are going to download an app for every different single supplier and number three it takes you away takes you away from your core competence as a business. Yeah. So for us as Mars it only makes sense to partner with the people who have the expertise in delivering online, to partner with the people who already have the scale and to partner with the people who already have our consumer shopping on their platform. Yeah. And therefore through these strategic partnerships drive sales profitably through that. Yeah. It's less work for more return. Yeah. It's also wiser and I think it also puts less stress on your consumer. because you don't want to be bombarding your consumer with find us in checkers then find us online then find us through our own channel yeah. it becomes a bit chaotic yeah. so i think it's about just partnering with scalability mm-hmm. i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the direct to consumer model yeah. but for businesses like ours that require mass volume yeah. to really have something to be worthwhile it only makes sense to partner and the electronic guys i think they do it because Uh, I mean I don't know how many TVs are sold globally but I I'm confident enough to say that there's way more M&M packets sold globally than there are TVs. <laughs> yeah. You know and uh imagine trying to ship so many M&Ms to consumers directly for 30 rand per bag, yeah. 6 rand a bag. Yeah. It just doesn't make business sense and you're working harder than you're supposed to to get the same product out. So for us strategic partnerships are at the core of our strategy yeah. and it only makes sense to deal with the experts and the nice thing about this ecosystem is that global players are eyeing Africa yeah. so beyond our local players you have Amazon eyeing us yeah. you've got uh, um Jumia in 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 Niger- in Nigeria, Nigeria which is expanding yeah. rapidly and then we have this youth 500 million Africans will become adults by 2030 that are all digitally inclined that all have mobile wallet accounts that are all using mobile phones and the reality is that that shopper is going to shop first on now as infrastructure improves i think the the limiting factor that we have in africa right now with regards to our e-commerce acceleration is the fact that our infrastructure is not where it's supposed to be but as that improves 
as we go into more reliable energy solutions, as we uh, integrate better with the world and with each other through the new African Free Trade Agreement, the acceleration of e-commerce will take off like a wave. No, no, it certainly will. We, uh, on the day that we are recording this, we are actually uh, going to be publishing a session that we did with the with the business called Zando that's trying to increase um, business to business, uh, you know, e-commerce uh, trade between you know people in different African countries. So there is a huge spotlight, you know, on the on the AFT on the AFTC and what all of that is going to is going to mean um, going forward. Yeah. Lastly, um, I think anyone listening to this will, will hear that one, you, you're quite passionate about Africa, uh, but two, you seem to know quite a bit about, you know, what's going on. Uh, clearly, you take your job seriously, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, maybe you could give us a little bit of insight into your journey. Um, you know, in the space, yeah. um, you know, how did you get into the world of e-commerce? You know, you're a relatively young man. Yeah. Um, you know, how, obviously, you're part of this 500 million digitally inclined Africans. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's, be, what's been your journey? How did you find yourself, you know, talking about gum and pet food at Mars? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to go too far back into my, into my youth in particular. Uh, but I'd like to start off, obviously, from when I finished uh, high school. Uh, I worked in retail a bit, uh, obviously, just before the whole e-commerce boom happened. And, you know, not to say I have anything about against shopping offline, but I always just thought that there was a better way to shop and that there was a better way to advertise. Now, the thing that e-commerce has is that it's a shopping avenue and an advertising avenue. So when I obviously started my university, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to go abroad. Yeah. So I went abroad to the UK, where I obviously studied business management. Um, in my business management uh, course, there was an opportunity to go to China yeah. um, for two students out of, I think it was like uh, 300 applicants to go to China on a year exchange program and obviously dive into the Chinese economy to see what you can bring back and then write into your dissertation. So I applied for that, I went through all the rounds, and I was fortunate enough to become two of the total students who were selected. And when I got to China, I was completely blown away at how they were living. Alibaba at the time was obviously uh, at its peak, and these people were doing everything online. Everything online. Not even the UK where I was was at the level. So I just said to myself and asked myself, clearly the future is heading this way. If I look at Africa, population count keeps on going up. Traffic's going to go higher. Business opportunities are going to go online. It only makes sense for me to focus on this now. And at the time, people thought it was crazy. People told me e-commerce is a fantasy. It's never going to come to life. Anyways, long story short, I focused on that, where I went deeper into e-business models. I went into a lot of e-commerce companies and shadowed a lot of employees around how the e-commerce uh, economy there is driven and what they focus on. Yeah. And after my time in China, I went back to the UK and focused on e-business models and organizational agility. Yeah. I then obviously decided to come back to Africa, which was a big risk. I had job offers both in the UK and in China. Uh, but as you mentioned, I have a big passion for Africa and I took the risk to, to come back here and aid my home ground to what I'd seen overseas. Yeah. Started in FMCG for two years at Palmalat. Um, I then moved on to join Take A Lot, 
where I worked uh, under the Mr. D Food Division, firstly as an account manager. Yeah. Spent a total of five years there where I obviously worked my way up the ranks to the point where I led the uh, sales and account management team for Kateng and Inland. And I was blessed enough to witness the acceleration of e-commerce, particularly through the COVID period, yeah. where I saw the business go from, I'm not going to mention numbers, but to doing multi-millions and billions uh, in front of my eyes. Obviously, I served my time at Mr. D, which I'm very grateful for. And I'm still obviously working with them till today, take lots of very valued part of ours. And I decided to join Mars, obviously, because I wanted to be on the other side of the table to contribute in a different way yeah. outside of the startup space. And Mars obviously being ahead of the curve and my experience also at Mr. D being ahead of the curve, felt that this was a perfect fit for me to join and redo what I did at Mr. D in a different environment. So, so far it's been really good. It's been uh, nine months now. We've managed to experience triple digit growth. And yeah, we continue to accelerate and invest behind this channel uh, because it's definitely the future for us. All right. So that's where we end off, uh, you know, on that uh, on that very brave note of a young man who decided to come back to Africa, um, you know, at a time where we're seeing traffic flowing in the opposite direction. So, you know, kudos to you. Um, I can definitely attest to a lot of what you've said uh, because I remember the first time that I went to China, I went to Shenzhen, mm. and it I understood upon arriving <laughs> in Shenzhen why china is where they are like i didn't i didn't need to visit any business i didn't need to be told what was going on but i understood almost immediately just by landing there and just spending a few hours seeing how people were you know doing everything online uh, transacting over wechat making all of these payments over that specific platform uh, the rate at which buildings are being built the rate at which 100%. everyone has smartphones it was yeah i understood you know what was going on but also at the same time some of the emerge what are considered the more traditional emerging markets uh, I've, uh, I think I told you uh, offline that I've been that I recently went to India, and you know in in India where you've got people think Johannesburg traffic is deep, but I until you've been on the streets of Delhi, yeah. uh, the traffic there is on another level. Yeah. But the guys they have because of all these issues. Um, have been able to figure out for some of these problems that are using e-commerce in very interesting ways. They've been able to take delivery times for groceries. You talked quite a bit about Checker 6060. Uh, some of their equivalents, the you know, the likes of Swiggy have been able to take delivery times down to 10 minutes. So when a person is cooking, right, they realize they don't have tomatoes, onions, or whatever it is, they literally, as they're preparing their food, make an order. And in the process of cooking, mm -hmm. someone comes to the door and, you know, delivers that missing ingredient, that missing item, and they just continue with their life almost seamlessly. And you think about those examples and you're like, okay, cool. If this is where we're going in life, then yes, it makes sense uh, that certainly there should be a lot of um, investment um, you know, behind that space. So we wait to see how the how the space develops over time. Um, you know, I, I wonder what type of conversation you and I will be having a year from now. Um, you know, I think by that time, 
you know you would have been here for you know almost almost two years yeah. and you know the type of conversations we'll be having also fascinating just to get a get a sense of buying behaviors um in south africa when you're looking at let's say pet care when you're looking at gum it sounds like one of those uh, you know like I said at the beginning, when you think of gum, you think just gum, but there's a lot of learnings that you can you can take away, um, you know, just by observing, you know, all of those buying behaviors. What is it saying about the way that people shop physically, the way that people shop um, online? How do you translate an online, you know, buying process into uh, the online world? And, you know, what type of learnings you take from the rest of the world bring them into 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 Africa and South Africa and you know I think there's also a lot of things that can be learned from here in the opposite direction uh, for the rest of the world as well and also just getting a sense of uh, the journey um, I think it's uh, it's a good testament that uh, you know if you're seeing certain trends uh, it probably makes sense to uh, just believe in something and then just uh, you know just go for it um he had some naysayers that you know said ah, are you sure about this thing <laughs> but you know here we are a few years later and uh, things seem to be going well so that's been it uh, you know just uh, at uh, mars offices uh, we were in conversation uh, with uh, Tinewo Muzenda who is uh, the e-commerce national key account manager for mars multi-sales southern africa giving us some insight into uh, mars's strategy around e-commerce in the region. Tineo, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for the great conversation. It was a very humbling experience and it's a big pleasure, big privilege to be able to share our insights and overall strategy, strategy with you. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight, which is a multimedia live production. So from my Myself and the rest of the team. It is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.